Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of the Study Faithfully podcast. If you're new here, my name is Sandy and I'll be your host. I'm glad to have you here. But if you're not new around here, I'm glad to have you back. A few weeks ago, we began our study on the Gospel of Matthew. And in our last episode, we discussed Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 23. In this section, Matthew describes what happens after the wise men visit Jesus. King Herod is threatened by the birth of Jesus, who the wise men refer to as the king of the Jews. So he sends out a decree to kill all male children in Bethlehem. Jesus and his parents, Joseph and Mary, flee to Egypt to seek refuge. And then after King Herod dies, they return back to Nazareth, which is significant to Jesus's ministry. And you'll find out why in that episode. But in this episode, we'll be discussing Matthew chapter 3. We'll be introduced to John the Baptist and his role in Jesus' baptism at the Jordan River. This moment is pivotal for Jesus as he prepares for his public ministry, and it also serves to introduce us to some core Christian beliefs surrounding baptism, repentance, and the Trinity. So I pray that the Lord speaks through this study. Let's lean in and enjoy the episode. So, of course, I'm going to start by reading our text. We'll be in Matthew chapter 3, and it says... In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees— Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill our righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So following the visit from the wise men, in chapter 3, Matthew goes straight into introducing John the Baptist and his ministry. You may know this already, but scripture doesn't really tell us much about Jesus' childhood. The only gospel account that really gives us a glimpse of his childhood is Luke. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus' parents take him to the temple to be dedicated. This was a Jewish custom, and women were to present their child to a priest after 40 days of the child's birth. As Jesus grew up, Luke says that Jesus grew up both in stature and in wisdom. And then we're told that at age 12, Jesus' parents find him sitting in the temple among the religious leaders and asking them questions. And they were all amazed at the amount of wisdom he had. This is as much as we know about Jesus' childhood, but you can go ahead and read about that in Luke chapter 2 if you haven't before. 
Now, chapter 3 in Matthew opens with the introduction of John the Baptist in verse 1 through 6. And we're told that he's in the wilderness preaching about repentance and baptizing people in the Jordan River in Judea. The Jordan River was about 70 miles long between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. John the Baptist is actually mentioned in all four gospel accounts. The Gospel of Luke specifically tells us about the story of his birth. His parents were Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, and Zachariah, who was a priest. They were an older couple that was unable to conceive a child, and in those days for women, having children was important. So John's birth was miraculous, and the angel Gabriel declared to John's father that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And we're told that he would be a prophet who would prepare the way for the Lord. Now, up until this point, over 400 years had passed since a prophet had been recognized in Israel since Malachi's ministry. They call this 400-year period the silent years because no prophets were speaking on God's behalf. So John would have been the first prophet within Israel in a very long time. John's public ministry began around A.D. 26 to 30, and then Jesus began his own ministry shortly after him. In verse 3, Matthew quotes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, and it says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Another prophecy about John can be found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, which says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So based on these prophecies, John's call was to prepare the people of Israel for Jesus' coming. Matthew says that people were going out to the Jordan River to be baptized by him and repenting of their sins. So basically, those who came to John to be baptized had to admit that they were actually sinners. And this would have served as a great stepping stone for Jesus' ministry, who would ultimately clear the sins of the people through his sacrifice on the cross. John's message was to repent. Repentance is a Greek word that means to change one's mind or to turn. A person who truly turns from sin does not only confess their sins, but it also shows in their actions. You change your mind first, and this leads to the action of turning. So considering this, John used baptism as an outward sign of repenting from sin. The Greek word used for baptism means to dip, to immerse, to submerge, to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water. So in his day, it was typical for Jewish converts to be baptized. But John used baptism as a sign of repentance from sin instead. Baptism is also something Jesus would emphasize in his ministry as well, as he also stated it in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Now we're going to move on to verses 7 to 12, and I want to read this section again. It says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandal I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. As John was baptizing people in the Jordan River, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, two groups of Jewish leaders, came to question John and what he was doing. 
The Pharisees strictly followed the law and separated themselves from anything that wasn't considered Jewish. And the Sadducees only believed that the first five books of the Bible, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, was actually considered the Word of God. These two groups didn't necessarily like each other, but you'll see that the one thing that they did have in common was their hatred for the things of the kingdom and Jesus' ministry. John rebukes them because they refused to turn from their ways of being super religious. They didn't understand that living according to the law was no longer enough for them to be cleansed from their sins. A new covenant will be established by Christ where sin could only be forgiven in him and proven by the way that they lived their lives. So God's judgment will come upon those who refuse to believe in Christ and turn from sin. John emphasized that Jesus would ultimately baptize people with the Holy Spirit and fire. We see that this happened in the book of Acts as the Holy Spirit fell upon 120 people in the upper room as they were praying, which we consider the day of Pentecost. But to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire also symbolizes the judgment that unbelievers will ultimately experience. And this leads us into the last section of this chapter. It tells the story of when Jesus came to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. John was hesitant because he understood who Jesus was and he felt unqualified. When Jesus asked to be baptized, John's response in verse 14 was, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus' response to him was, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus obviously wasn't a sinner, so there was no need for him to be baptized, but he did it to fulfill all righteousness. This means that Jesus was baptized so that he could identify with us, we who are sinners. And he was coming into the world to save the entire world from sin, as Scripture tells us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Also, Jesus was baptized to mark him as the Messiah and begin his public ministry. John goes ahead and baptizes Jesus, and as he came up out of the water, verse 16 says that the heavens were opened and the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And God spoke from heaven and confirmed Jesus' identity. In verse 17, he says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Here, all three persons of the Trinity are present, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The doctrine of the Trinity teaches that God is three persons, but of one essence. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is our helper. The Holy Spirit will play an integral role in establishing the church in the book of Acts and empowering the lives of believers even up until this day. And this is where chapter three ends. So now I want to point out a few things that I think would apply to us today. First, I want to commend John the Baptist. God called him to prepare the way for the greatest figure to ever live, Jesus Christ himself, the Savior of the world. And from the beginning, he was always committed to that mission. He understood that his mission was to prepare the way and nothing else. If you read about him in other gospels, there are moments where people wondered if he himself was the Messiah but he will constantly point them back to Jesus and away from himself. Sometimes God calls us to prepare the way for something or someone greater than us, and we have to humbly accept that excitement. Not everything we do is about us, and as a matter of fact, most of what we do is not about us. It's ultimately about Jesus and those he's called us to serve in this lifetime. Second, we as believers have to understand the true intentions of repentance and baptism. There is no way for anyone to be in relationship with God without the act of repentance. Again, repentance is not only about confessing sin. That's just the beginning. 
but true repentance shows itself in our actions, how we live on a day-to-day basis, and how we live according to the Word of God. And aside from living according to God's Word, baptism is one of those outward expressions of our repentance and faith in Jesus. It's symbolizing the washing away of our sins and becoming new in Christ. So as we go down into the water, we're dying to ourselves. And as we rise out of the water, we're being made new in Christ. And lastly, Jesus humbled himself to be baptized, knowing that he himself wasn't a sinner, but he did it for our sake so that he could identify with humanity, the ones he came to save. God didn't have to do this on our behalf. He could have simply placed judgment on us, being forever separated from him. But he sent his son, in whom he is well pleased to die on a cross. And through his obedience, we now have life and have it more abundantly. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. I want to say that I appreciate you guys and the support that you've given me means the world to me. Just to let you know, I created a quick ebook guide to the entire New Testament that you guys can download for free. You can find that link on our social media accounts or you can go directly to our website at www.studyfaithfully.com. But if you have any questions, prayer requests, you can just send us a message or email and we'd love to connect with you. We'll be in Matthew chapter four next week, so you can go ahead and read that in advance. But thank you for listening and I'll see you here soon.